As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Crank up the music, charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The whisper it quietly but phenomenon. More psychological cliches quiz warfare. When a game of chess becomes cat and mouse. Connor Cody's football club. The worst your shit are ever performed in English football. Bambi on ice, Johnny on the spot. Flattering comparisons for Manchester United's Anthony. Keys and Gray meet Sean Dyche. Cometh the hour, cometh the cancellation. The Premier League of club badges. The logistical nightmare of being a proverbial fly on a dressing room wall. Gareth Southgate's postman. A for my sins corner for the ages. VAR is a woke conspiracy. The greatest listeners MHD selection of the year. And our personal World Cup broadcasting highlights. Brought to your ears by The Athletic in 2022, this was the best of football cliches. By the way, if you're planning to do what is known in festive circles as hitting the sales, then I'm contractually obliged to tell you that The Athletic has an offer for you. £1 or $1 a month for 12 months for all new subscribers. We have everything you need and plenty you probably don't as well. The business end of the year for the Clichés pod was high time to grill Charlie Eccleshare on one of the weirdest, slipperiest devices in modern football reporting. Charlie, I've been really looking forward to confronting you with this because I feel like it's right up your street. Um, I want to talk about the occasional football journalism device of the phrase, whisper it quietly, but... (laughs) (laughs) Now... (laughs) 
I only say I only say it's up your street for two reasons. One, I think you know exactly what we're talking about here, and two, I have a strong suspicion that you may have used it at some point. That's fine. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. You're I... very whisper it quietly, butty. I have to say. You... No, I'm not whisper it quietly, but <laughs> you are. You, well, you're very much a more on that later. I, I admit, I'm so a more on that later. You might be a whisper it no, quietly. No, no, but... I, 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 don't, I think more on that later serves a purpose because it's sort of trailing something. Okay, that's fine. Whisper it quietly. No, I'm not. And, and it, it is. You're right. You're right to bring it up. I'm amazed you haven't talked about it before because it is a. It's a big. Uh, it's a big old. It's had a big increase in the last few years. That was suddenly mm. everywhere. But okay, uh, you you took that in reasonably good grace actually, uh, you, with just the right amount of offence. But um, Dave, when you see or read the phrase, whisper it. <laughs> optionally quietly but what sort of things are being whispered here what sort of sentiments are being are being got across is it pejorative or i don't think it is i think it's sort of vaguely complimentary is it sort of whisper it quietly but something might be happening here yeah it's something like that whisper it quietly but player x is starting to really impress down there or or a manager you know whisper or owners i think it's often about ownership so Mm. there's a really so whisper it quietly but the, the, the much maligned owners of Club X have actually... Whisper it quietly, but you know what? The Venkis have actually really knuckled <laughs> yeah, down. That's it. This, <laughs> you, I think you've nailed it here. Um, it's it's someone doing a better job than might have been expected, but also with a hint of controversy. So like that, We all thought they were going to be terrible mm. for this football club, but no, they're really turning it around. So yeah, I mean, but also... Do we have to say quietly? Do you have to whisper it quietly, Charlie? Yeah, Can you just say, mm, it, that, whisper it? That is tautologist. Um, <laughs> but I guess, I guess it really hammers the point home that you really want to... Really, I mean, and, and also what I find slightly annoying sometimes with the whisper it quietly is that it's not a particularly controversial take. Yeah, yes, so that's absolutely like, why, right. Why, why do I need to whisper that quietly or otherwise? Like, isn't everyone sort of now in agreement about this? Mm. You know, like whisper it quietly, but is Sweet Caroline a bit overplayed at sporting <laughs> events? Like, you don't need to whisper that. Everyone agrees with you, clearly. So would you say, on average, Charlie, that it's it's a less controversial take than if you prefaced it with, is it just me, but... Mm. Which is which has taken a rather gammony thing anyway, hasn't it? Yeah. But you wouldn't gammony, you wouldn't gammonise whisper it quietly, but would you? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> There's also... Whisper it quietly, but the French are definitely to blame for all the blockages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There's also that thing in there is like, is it okay to like, you know, is it okay to like someone yet? Like, is it okay to admit that X is doing a good job yet? Mm. Which is the I've same got... sort of thing. I know what you mean. I've just I've just typed whisper it quietly in quote marks into Twitter. And the first one I've seen is whisper it quietly, but Jack Grealish has looked class in preseason. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rubbish whisper it quietly. Just say it. It's fine. There's nothing to whisper. That's insane. Do you know what there could be by the end of this transfer window? There could be a whisper it quietly. But have United actually done some quite smart business? Mm, because mm. they're so maligned for their transfer dealings. It obviously started off really slowly and everyone was like, they haven't signed anyone. But actually, whisper it quietly and they've, I think they've done some quite shrewd yeah. work. It goes very much hand in hand with shrewd business. Mm, exactly. The summer peaked, perhaps, with Charlie returning from Tottenham's pre-season tour of Korea with one of the greatest showcases of the Premier League's cultural legacy. There's this idiom that's developed in Korea called Leeds Days. And essentially what this means is Leeds Days is kind of like the time of your life. Yeah. Um, right. Your peak. Okay. You know, it's the sort of halcyon period. Salad Days. 
Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Park Ji Sung, when he was playing for Man United, uh, obviously there was a big um, Korean following of the team. Mm. And Alan Smith was playing for United at that time. And it became a running joke that he was way better at Leeds than he was at United. And it was a kind of thing like, oh, yeah, those were his Leeds days. And now it's become uh, an idiom in Korean language where they will use it yeah. both both to tease people in a way like you might look at a picture of, say, an 18-year-old Dave and say, those were your Leeds days, mate. This is you know? so good. <laughs> sort of like, yeah, you passed your best. Or I might wistfully be talking about, oh, yeah, that that period when I was at school, those, those were my Leeds days. Uh, <laughs> and it's genuinely developed as a thing. I mean, like, it's pretty... From, from some of the uh, people I was speaking to, they were saying... Of, of a certain generation, even if you're not into football, you'll know what Leeds days means. Um, and they do track the d the days, but is translated into Korean generally. Mm. But it's it's just, I I just love when things like this develop organically and that fo this football phrase can have grown um, on the other side of the world. I just think it's, there's something magical about it. The Clichés quiz returned for its fifth edition in August and reigning champion James Moore was given the runaround by gleeful challenger Michael Cox in the most unlikely of football trivia categories. Michael, as the leader, you will go first in this round. I want you to guess the football men from their introductory videos on Cameo. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Cameo is the thing where you pay someone to... I don't know what social media is. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just checking. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you're right. This is the video they post first off to 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 advertise their wares, if you like. Um, James, you can draw level in the penalty shootout now. Here is penalty number three for you. Morning. We're here. Hope you're very well. Delighted to say I've joined Cameo. Can't wait to give some shout outs to all your family and friends and special people in your lives, particularly this time when it's been so difficult. Anyway, I'm looking forward to having some fun in the future and using Cameo as much as I can. Take care. It's clearly someone who's uh, willing to ride a train, by the sound of it. Mm -hmm. Was he on a train? It sounded like he was on a train to me. Well, I suppose that's fine for me to tell you, yes. <laughs> I mean, sort of thing you'd clear. get pissed off about if I told Michael. So yeah. It sounded like there was a sort of West Midlands twang, but at the end, I was also kind of swaying towards Ian Dowie. He feels very much at the kind of apex of this kind of activity. I just can't think who... I can't think... It's not. It's not like Lee Hendry, who else is from the West Midlands? <laughs> Stan Gollymore. It's not him. It's Come not. on. Oh my lord! Who played for Villa? Who's from Ian Taylor? Ian Taylor. Is it Ian Taylor? It's Ian Dowie. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that that's very funny. Oh, no. <laughs> he loves the bloody train. That bloke. Absolutely hilarious. It oh remains. my god. It remains 2-1 to Michael Cox in this penalty shootout. Uh, Coxie, here's your fourth penalty. I've just joined Cameo and I want to say if ever you want any personal greetings, messages, whether it be birthdays, weddings, best men's speech, even that banter that always flies around, just give me a shout. Take care. Well, I don't know whether James has put an idea into my head. No, that, that no. Did sound like, it did sound like Lee Hendry to me. I'm going to go Lee Hendry. <laughs> it's Lee Hendry. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> lovely stuff. I've never seen such an incredible act of self-immolation on the Football Clichés quiz. This is absolutely astonishing behaviour. Oh, my Michael God. Michael Cox leads 3-1 in this penalty shootout. 
Next, a deep dive into the feline slash rodent language of finely poised, evenly balanced football games that are yet to burst into life. Game of chess, as I understand it, is a tactically tight game. Mm. Teams not really making too much of an impact on each other. But Dave, what's cat and mouse? I've never actually thought about what cat and mm. mouse actually is in football. Is it one team have the ball and the other are chasing them? Is that basically it? Cat and mouse. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, so the... the one team are doing the chasing. The mouse, yeah, the mouse is getting away and the cat's pouring at it but can't quite get it. Mm. But they're doing at it without a massive intensity, I think. You know, it, it, you're not banging the door down in a game. No, no. You're, you're, you're sort of, you're chipping away at the, the resistance. Yeah, it's an emphasis on possession rather than um, damage, I think, so, with cat and mouse. But, but the mouse yes. is the underdog in this situation. Yeah, it so I think... It doesn't quite translate, does it? Because no, it doesn't. Is the mouse the one who's got the ball? I, I think the, the cat is the more powerful entity here who is sort of dominating proceedings. Yeah. And the mouse is sort of, at the moment... Hanging right, on, just 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 it's, surviving by the skin yeah, of its it, teeth. It's escaping, mm. and you know, escaping from conceding a goal or being overwhelmed, mm. but not crucially giving the cat the runaround. No, or yeah, or running rings around it. No, it's it's not as dramatic as that. Okay, we always wanted to know what cat and mouse. And I only just realised I wanted to ask the question. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. We, I'm still not sure we quite know. <laughs> uh, fair enough. The latest painstaking cliches pod montage involved perhaps the most ideal player and the most ideal club coming together to create the most earnest post-signing interview of all time. This is from Paul Anderson and Jack Pierce, who found that the combination of Connor Cody and Everton Football Club was a match made in heaven for one very particular footballing subgenre. Cue the clip. The football club itself, it speaks for itself. I know the football club, I know what this football club means to the city and I know what it means to, to be part of this football club. I told you that I grew up around the city and it's something that I know how big this football club is. So it's to help the football club move forward as much as it possibly can. And <laughs> he loves everything about the football club. He's absolutely over the moon that I've managed to, to sign with the football club. Listen, I'm here to give absolutely everything I've got for this football club. I come in every day to try and help the lads and help the football club move forward and, and be ready for the football club whenever, whenever I'm needed. Because I, I talk about selling the football club, but I didn't have to. I just felt so comfortable when talking about the football club with him. And we know that the club's a huge football club. And he spoke <laughs> so, so highly of the football club as well. And like I said, I think we're all on the same page in terms of what we want to do for the football club. We spoke about it already. Bloody hell. Charlie, <laughs> just, just to give you some numbers behind the magic here. 765 seconds his interview, full interview was with Everton's in-house media team. Uh, he dropped in 16 football clubs, which is one every 47.8 seconds. That is elite rate. The club's a big football club. I think that was... That's like... That's got to be a motto of somewhere, somewhere, isn't it? The club's a big football club. There you go. Put it under a badge. But Nick, Paul and Jack were, were right here. Connor Cody and Everton is, is, is the perfect storm for football clubbing. I mean, he's obviously from the area. He has links beyond football. And uh, Everton is such a football clubby club. Extremely in every fo- possible sense. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and arguably they have the, the perfect manager for the football club. Mm. Football club. Um, I don't know. The football, Stuart, football club. Yeah, exactly. Stuart Pearce might be slightly. He's. I think he's slightly more of a, a fo- the football club man. Um, but he introduced. Yeah. In my mind, he introduced yeah. the football club. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was such a big football club man. Have we kind of dug down into why they people say the football club rather than just the club? Is it? I don't know. 
I think it's to give it an extra resonance and seriousness. Mm. I think it's a sort of shorthand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I no question. Just, and that's why it lends itself more to Everton, because they, they have that vibe about them, rightly or wrongly. Mostly rightly, actually, I should say. Um, <laughs> Next, we examined a worrying act of apparently innocent vandalism perpetrated against one of the most venerable mid-game sounds from behind a goal. The noted phenomenon of your shit ah. A couple of things to run past you both here. Nick, first of all, a question from Hugh Dickinson, who simply asks, doing your shit ah from the sideline stand, is that acceptable? Uh, I'm not sure we ever covered this in the original <laughs> deep dive on your shit. I mean, it's, it's very much behind the goal concept. The closer yeah, to the goalkeeper you are, the better. But should people from the grandstands be doing it? Mm. Mm, it doesn't doesn't really fit right, does it? No, and no, uh, it's not your uh, thing. Yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. I think only acceptable for fans behind the goal. Uh, that question was a mere warm up for what's about to follow. Because meanwhile, at Wickham Wanderers versus Shrewsbury this weekend, someone appeared to engage in their very, very first Your Shit Ah. Oh, you shit bastard! Oh. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the amateurishness of it, Charlie, is so endearing. That's, that's really... I really like that, because even the start of it is wrong. Mm. And I thought that might be the thing. But then, yeah, it just goes... Uh, I mean, because it, it's so fun with all of these things. We just there are these rules, you know, and and that's not that far away. It's mm-hmm. not like oh, you know, your shit, ah, you you shit bastard, or whatever. Yeah, but uh, it's just so wrong. The rhythm is awful. Nick. Yeah, I, mean, it I, I don't work. mind the optional bastard being thrown in. That's that's a regional thing, but just the pause before the ah, I mean, defeats the whole point of it for me. Well, it was it was also for, to uh, explain the visual element. It was also very badly timed because the the R came so, too far after oh, the goalkeeper right. kicked the ball. So you got to you got to time these things right yeah. if you're gonna. Although it, it did look like it was from behind the goal, so yeah. at least there's the, that box ticked. But yeah, it was the manic release of the R at the end. <laughs> we we'll just hear it again, just just the, the final bit of it. <laughs> the problem here is lung capacity, Nick. If you can't get it all out in one go and you have to take a breath before the hour, then you're in the wrong game. Yeah, well, they've, they've, just listening to it back there, another problem that uh, came up was that, 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 again, to do with the timing, they went too sort of too intense and too high too early. Yeah. So it, you, obviously it's supposed to be more of a ooh, and, but they went a little bit too intense as I think even before the goalkeepers started them or not, so. almost Charlie as if someone had explained your shit R as a concept to them and then just left them to it and said right figure it out yourself <laughs> yeah I mean, it'll be fine no one will <laughs> also because as soon as you pause the spell is broken you can't stop yeah. you can't have a silence and then go back for more it has to be that clean movement completely I hope whoever did it is listening and, and taking all these notes on board the language of hapless defenders caught our forensic eye next. In particular, the curious evolution of one Disney-inspired metaphor. Charlie, let's put this one to you then. So let's say you do have a defender that's all over the shop, sort of, you know, sliding around, legs akimbo, not just completely hapless. What cultural reference could be used for that particular player at that particular moment? They were like... So I've got I've got sixes and sevens in my head. Think of a more um, animated cultural reference. Nick, you may step in here. 
Disney. Bambi on Ice. Bambi on Ice. So Bambi good. on Ice is so correct. Good. Very good. Uh, this is from Flammable Sheep. I, I love this evolution of a cliche. This has gone so well. Flammable Sheep says, a nice little football cliche-related detail that I noticed at the weekend. He says that um, the noted phenomenon of a defender being like Bambi on Ice has now evolved to someone saying he could have auditioned for a part in Bambi on Ice, <laughs> which is a show that doesn't exist. <laughs> People think Bambi on Ice is a thing. <laughs> like a sort of dancing on ice. Yeah. That's tremendous. Well, well, an easy mistake I mean, to make. I mean, there are so many things on ice now, Nick, that people mm. probably assume that Bambi on Ice is actually a thing that you can buy tickets for and go and see. But wow, yeah. the naivety it of it is just so beautiful. It, it feels like if someone was to produce Bambi on Ice, they're sort of zeroing in on the wrong bit of the film. Because that's... <laughs> it's, not element, you know, it's not really a core element, is it? No, it's okay. It's an incidental mm. element to it. But mm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's a million pound way to be made. Maybe. <laughs> if it was a show that was produced... Well, I don't know. Maybe they would be going for slapstick. But it might also be some quite good ice work, you'd imagine. Yeah. Would you need trained ice skate dancers? I'm not so sure. exactly. So I think yeah. in, that, in that instance, you would want people who were quite good... Mm. It might, you know, depending if it was a kind of Rolls Royce revival. But, but then... they would have to pretend to be shit at dancing on ice. Well, that's this is well, you'd have to be pretty good actually to be able to pretend to be bad. You wouldn't just get amateurs <laughs> in to to sort of that'd be dangerous. Yes, yeah. it's what they always say about like people who play the piano in a comedy manner. Oh, you have got to be very good to actually yes play, intentionally play the piano badly. Mm. <laughs> or like that thing like you got to know the rules in order to be able to break mm, them. Yeah. Yeah, nicely put. That it's sounds just... very tennis to me. I bet it's a bit like tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. You don't even have to say anything. It's anyway, just, just just a few just a few tips for any theatre impresarios out there. <laughs> Bill Kenwright, if you're listening, yeah. the only impresario <laughs> in existence, of course. Some call it being in the right place at the right time. Some call it popping up. But there's another name for it, and we wanted to set the exact parameters. Right, Charlie, I've got a. Uh, a football cliche for you. I'm going to define it for you. And you've just got to tell me what it is. Um, its origins allegedly come from 1896 in a New York Sun article about its emergence as a saying in the city. It's described as a man or youth who may be relied upon to be at a certain stated place when wanted and on whose assured appearance confident expectation may be based. Mar- uh, someone who always delivers. Marksman? More about where they are rather than what they oh, do. Oh, right place, right time. Oh, so close. But what is that person described as? And think of the person as well. A very particular person. A generic man in the right place at the right time. Oh, is described in football as... Every man? <laughs> Poacher? No, no. The answer you were looking for was Johnny on the spot. Johnny on the spot. Johnny <laughs> on the spot. Greatly. I'll, let's never not do the test Charlie out on... On a football cliche in a quiz. Um, Joe Patch writes in and says, is there a fixed criteria for being described by a commentator as Johnny on the spot? He says he feels like it's when capitalising on a dropped cross from a keeper or when profiting from a low ball across the six-yard box from a teammate, basically tapping into an unguarded net. So I think we can agree, Dave, that it's a goal-scoring thing, mm-hmm. Johnny on the spot. I think former rather than latter in that example. When, if In terms of what image comes to mind, it is... Yeah, somebody just like snaffling around the six-yard box Ready and just pounce. pounces on a dropped ball or a or a, a header that goes wrong, or whatever. I don't I don't see it so much for being there, being a tap-in tap-in merchant. But what I think is interesting about this actually is how it's evolved. Is that it's not just right place at right time because often it will be used as evidence of how hard someone works or how good their anticipation is. So 
I'm imagining this will be on a match of the day thing about this player who's played really well. And you're saying he all, all day he was making smart runs. He was on the move. And there he is, Johnny on the spot, ball lands to him and he and he pokes it in. So I think because I think you're giving someone credit. You're not you might be saying they're Johnny on the spot, but what you mean is they're sort of it's not coincidental that they're there. I, I agree with the spirit of what you're saying, but I think we need to be very careful here. Being a Johnny on the spot has nothing to do with the with the yards you've put in to get there. Lung bursting runs do uh, have nothing to do with being Johnny on the spot. It's, it's literally Gary Lineker, Mexico 86, being in the right place at the right time, either yeah. by design or luck. It's almost because as the sort of original description from the New York Sun uh, says, it's almost like they don't do anything other than be on the spot. They've just hung around there all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they were, they, uh, they were on the spot originally and they're still hmm. there. But yeah, you don't make a lung bursting run to be Johnny on the spot. No, no, no. You don't do it to do it in that moment. What I more, what I more mean is that you're the Johnny on the spotness, I think is, is often used as a way of giving you credit for your sort of intelligence and the fact that at other times in the game you've been on the move and you've never switched off at any point okay. and your reward almost is being the kind of and look and then there he is 86 minute Johnny on the spot but just to be clear Dave we definitely can't be Johnny on the spot if you were just there to clear a ball or block a shot that's not Johnny on the spot no, no. seems a shame seems unfair to me so if you were like you know, yeah, like Ashley Cole, who used to yeah, clear exactly. it off the line all the time. <laughs> imagine yeah. if that's said on match of the day. Like, that scenario you've just painted, Charlie, is perfectly feasible. But imagine on match of the day, he says, there he is, the goalkeeper's committed, but he's there on the line, Johnny on the spot <laughs> to clear it away. <laughs> it wouldn't work. There would be uproar. Imagine Ashley, the Ashley on the line. <laughs> Next up, the latest blows landed in the ongoing war of verbal B in sports attrition between Richard Keyes and the increasingly exasperated Jason McAteer. Right, before we get stuck into the main course, this was this was a mere starter from Richard Keyes. Now, it would be easy for us to rip into this in the way that we usually do. But if anything, as he debates Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool selection problems with Jason McAteer, this is just rigorous journalism. So is the conclusion that they are slower now than they were? Is that the problem? Yeah, but then you can you can argue the fact with eleven injuries that he's not picked the team that he would like to maybe Give them stats. Eleven injuries. Make him count yeah. them. So Richard. Okay. Well, let's let's look at it. Let's well, run, look. run past us of the eleven who would be starting in your first team. Thiago. One. He'd be in. Fabinho would be Two. in. Maybe. But, he, but he's not injured. He was out. I'm, mm. I'm thinking right, he's not. Yeah. yeah, he left him out. Yeah. Thinking so, he's not quite right. So. One. And then I'd have Jordan Henderson. Nunes would be in. Jordan Henderson's. Nunes would be in. Nunes would be in. Canate would be in. Suspended. Nunes so not injured. So, so there's, one there's, of your eleven injuries. Well, there's three players I've got in the team that aren't playing right now. Mm. And then you could argue Curtis Jones would come in no, maybe for. And, well, you could do because he can change. <laughs> you it. Could. you could argue Tommy Smith. And he's younger and he's, no and he's younger and he's fitter and he gets around the pitch a lot quicker <laughs> because of his age and his. <laughs> uh, so much to enjoy there, um, Charlie. But I mean. First of all, uh, no longer with us is such a Richard Keyes way of saying <laughs> someone has died for a start. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, I, again, as always, love McAteer just about clinging on to his patience, Dave. So, <laughs> so when, when Keyesy says something like, well, you can't really argue that. Well, you, you could. You <laughs> could. You could argue that. Um, it's great. He must, such a good those, he must just be constantly thinking, like, just think, think. Of the cushy life you have here, and oh, just just like block out yeah. the provocation. It's yeah. a good gig. I know you have to hang out with Keezy, but it's fine. Oh dear. Yeah, just at the beginning of another weekend of Richard Keys just not letting people finish. It is really wonderful. It is his gig. 
After all, he is the front man for all of this. As Manchester United's new signing Anthony dazzled on his debut, there was an unexpected go-to cultural reference from Jim Beglin to give the Brazilian huge shoes to fill. I'll tell you what got weird though, here's Jim Proudfoot and Jim Beglin talking about Anthony's quick feet. Just imagine what reference is about to happen. <laughs> Anthony with the flamboyance, with the stepovers. didn't realise he was a fan of Michael Flatley. <laughs> now you're showing your age. <laughs> Thank you. Michael Flatley. That is not what I was expecting. And then just to top it off, a little dig from Proudfoot about Beglin showing his age as well, which is just, yeah, the you know, a soft landing for that one, I think. But yeah, <laughs> Michael Flatley, what a flattering reference for a footballer. <laughs> Shades of Michael Flatley out there to your performance. <laughs> well, I mean, I am my own man. <laughs> Listen, that's for other people to make that comparison. I just <laughs> do my he was thing. a great dancer. He yeah. was a great dancer. If, if I, you know, if I win... Ten percent of the awards he does, then I'll be happy. I really, when you said the reference, I was thinking like which sort of old, sort of yeah. long, long retired footballer is going to be. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Anthony after the game saying, "Yeah, I, we used to get the footage from Riverdance <laughs> on the TV. We, we, we used to gather around the TV set and watch it." Oh my goodness. September began with the return of Keys and Grey to the podcasting circuit and they were back with a bang. A tremendous, almost beyond parody guest appearance from Sean Dyche. Their return to the podcasting world began in the only way that Keys and Grey podcast could. The boys are back in town. <laughs> I didn't even see even after even after the song became clear I didn't I still didn't see that coming from Keith (laughs) (laughs) and do you know what here we are in London town recording this podcast and Doha might well be thousands and thousands of miles away but maybe we're a little bit closer than we think Premier League Clubs et up Europe as the window, quotes, slammed Aye. shut. It always slams shut if you're watching Sky Sports News. It doesn't News. gently close, does it? it? It doesn't close as it does in most other places. Yeah. It slams, slams shut with dramatic effect. He loves Charlie. He loves these transfer windows slamming shut. He's been he beating this drum. Yeah, he's been beating this drum for a long, long yeah. time. An, an introduction there to what happens a lot that Gray, they sort of talk, Gray feels he has to sort of talk with Keezy. Mm. Often just sort of echoing what he's saying. It's quite yeah, he knows what the next line is, so he sort of just mm. offers it up. So anyway, that was the preamble. The big build-up. Sean Dyche on the pod. Here we go. No chat with an out-of-work manager, Dave, is complete without talking about golf. But trust me, no one in the planet will expect the final twist here. So I'm not missing the, the idea of, of what it is yet, but you know yourself, the bug never leaves you. Nope. It will come back strong at some point. I'm going to give you an example. I met someone on a golf course by chance. I played in a charity game. So I said to him, right, we'll definitely do that next year. And I bumped into him. It was someone, someone um, you know, it was, I'll tell you who it was, actually, because he's a great guy. It's Chris Akabusi. <laughs> <laughs> who had Chris Akabusi in their brain? Nobody. No. Oh, it's just... This is the moment where I started to think, this is all one big wind-up on the Football this Cliches is, podcast. Oh, I mean, you mentioned Partridge before. This is just incredible. <laughs> Zach Bootsy and Sean Dyche playing golf. Next up, Dave, uh, we've done Partridge already. I, I, I didn't want to, you know, 
just tick off these obvious cultural references. But here he is. Here's Sean Dyche comparing contrasting footballing styles to jeans. But you know when you get, um, yeah, they're doing this amazing analytics and they put what they're doing on and we go, yeah, we've all been doing that for 10 years. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, exactly. you, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, <laughs> well, I, I always say, is it, is it, you know, skinny jeans, like flat jeans, uh, skinny jeans, loose jeans, skinny jeans, loose jeans, skinny jeans, loose jeans. It's like, jeans are still jeans, right? Jeans are still uh, jeans. You know? uh, you're I'm talking our like, language, Sean, you know, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> What a lovely finish to that. Yeah, now you're talking my language. It's jeans and still jeans. <laughs> Are we skinny jeans or loose jeans football-wise at the moment? I can't I can't really work it out. I think we're sort of emerging from a skinny jeans phase, are we, Dave? Skinny jeans must be analytics. Loose jeans must be that would be their, thunder. That would be their Yeah, because they must be loose, their loose jeans through and through. So where does high pressing sit in the jeans? Is that just sort of slim? slim High-waisted? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, jeans. they are boot cut. Mm. Top football <laughs> men are boot cut. Yeah. Right. Further on up the analytics here, we've done assists. We've done XG. Now we're into the really advanced stuff. There you go. Here we go. Here we go. This one. HMLD. Have you heard of HMLD? Apparently, Jesse Marsh is a big fan of this. HMLD. Do you know what that is? But don't tell him before. Gone. Sean. HMLD, yeah. is that the, um, like the, um, something to do with the diet? Yeah, the diet high diet. metabolic load distance, that's what that is. Here we go. <laughs> he likes to catch right, yeah, the lightning so, yeah, by so, keeping a player going flat out and thereby trying to create power football suited to high-speed counter-pressing. There, there you go. go. There that's you what go. that is. Well, yeah, it's, it's, called, it's called working hard, lad. <laughs> um, that's what it's called, exactly. called running hard, working hard. Exactly. magic. You could not have scripted that better, Dave. <laughs> We've spoken about this many times. The but you're right. This is really interesting. I mean, it's crazy. He he was a Premier League manager till April and did an amazing job. I mean, so clearly, as much as maybe he's just playing up to it, I don't know. But it is it is strange. It's kind of fascinating because you'd think. If you heard this, you'd imagine that this was a guy who hadn't managed at the top level for like a decade or something, the way he's talking. He's a really, really elite, you know, or close to elite manager of recent times. Almost sounding like Allardyce. Almost sounding like Allardyce, just in terms yeah. of... Not, not saying the stuff not saying the stuff specifically that he's saying. It's more that the tone the is getting very Allardycean. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, a collector's item. An Adam Hurry is human after all moment. The biggest cliches pod scandal of the year. In and around the hour mark. Um, this is from C.R. Woodjack, Sky Sports commentator in Liverpool's win over Newcastle, saying, cometh the hour, cometh the man, when Roberto Firmino equalised. Not sure a player who returned five Premier League goals last season deserves such status. I disagree, Jack. I think the primary... The primary factor here is the fact that it's on the hour. Doesn't matter who it is. As long as it's the oh. hour, a man can cometh. As in because it's because it was scored in sixty minutes. That was all yeah. Uh, that had never occurred to yeah. me. Actually, hang on. I was thought the scored? I thought cometh the hour just denoted like here's an important moment. time where we need the team to score, not here's a goal on sixty minutes. Yeah. I've genuinely never occurred to me. I've before. never thought of it in that way. Well, really? My eyes are yeah. my eyes are open. I've ne- That's absolutely yeah, but so I many examples won't be on our goal. They're that's just... incredible. Seventy percent of our me, listenership are now shouting into to, their devices. This to is me, mental. a classic cometh the hour goal would be on like eighty-five minutes. No, mm. why? What are you, you need doing? To score. 
The fact that it's on 60, who cares if it's on 60? It was in the 61st minute. Who cares? Um, Don't care. Firmino's got, wow. Blown away by this. Only 33% of the participants in this podcast think that cometh the hour, cometh the man, needs to happen in and around the 60th minute of a no. football game. No. Because often they'll be late goals. Nonsense. I'm stunned. Absolutely stunned to silence. Uh, Producer Phil says, our reference is insane. I'm with them. You're off your rocker. Um, uh, I'm stunned. stunned because it's not... I'm... You're doing a Dave Walker. You're taking it very literally. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not... I mean, it's, it's an expression that's You wouldn't say of it football. otherwise. Of course you would. You could say man of the hour, but that's a kind of bigger picture thing. No, but if it cometh the hour, it's an hour thing. <laughs> cometh the it's hour. It's not because that's... That's it's not like, what the hour means. Exactly. It's, it's not, not an really hour of meaning. need. It's not an hour of need. It is the it hour. Is though. It is so. I worry it, that people will agree with you, but I'm definitely right. People definitely agree with us. Yeah, you're because you're serious about very uh, so few of these examples will be 60th minute goals. Yep. Before we get stuck into the education panel, I want to start on a on a serious note, really. I and I think there's been a genuine a few days of quite profound reflection on what it all means and the historical significance of of everything that's gone on. But I just want to say that I was completely wrong about cometh the hour, cometh the man. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely wrong. I accept it. I'm very glad that you've um, that you've been so big and bold enough to admit that because I, I was listening. And as Charlie pointed out at the time, whilst I would normally take the, such situations very literally, you were obviously wrong in this case. <laughs> Even I've lost I. you. I've lost him completely, <laughs> haven't I? That's a shame. That is a shame. But that is very big. I mean, we were wondering if it was going to be, yeah, the the Instagram take to Instagram or that use the notes app on your phone and do mm. it that way. Mm. But this feel, I mean, this feels right, doesn't it? Stick well, I mean, to the I, medium where it came out. I mean, joking aside, I genuinely didn't want it to become some sort of parodical argument. I I I stuck to my guns initially on the podcast because I thought I was right. The more more I considered it, I realised I was wrong. But the secondary argument I, I then came up with, which is that some commentators do do it more than occasionally still stands. I think that's still fair. That's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with my viewpoint. This is factual. It still happens, right? Yes, but I think it's sort of how related those two things are. Mm. So I think it does happen, but I don't think it's sort of because of that that it happens. I think you're, you know, no one's suggesting that commentators do it but then on, around the hour mark say no we can't say it like, <laughs> <laughs> if they're not it's not you're not so wrong that that happened now you've said it like that i feel you know sufficiently humbled an entente cordial has been reached on this i think surreal scenes next as we wade up the permutations and hallucinations of the premier league table of club badges if they all fought each other a fascinating piece of research from listener Will Cunningham, who said, I thought you might appreciate the Premier League table if the emblems of the teams fought each other over a season. Work is very slow at the moment. <laughs> um, so not only, Dave, did he present me with a league table of the club badges if they fought each other mm-hmm. uh, with points totals derived right. from a results grid, like a proper traditional football results grid with the blank cells all the way running down the middle so teams don't play each other. And um, every team playing each other once... And he was awarding a win or a loss or a draw for each matchup. Fascinating um, scenario painted here, but a few technical issues, I think. Yeah, well, in, firstly, interesting that he didn't decide to do home and away mm. because you could that that could come into it, right? Like you could have you know, home territory could be important for some of the animals involved in this. Yeah, a it's lion a, against a bird or something. Yeah, it's a very good point, but I think he was already struggling with um, about how these elements of these badges would be brought to life, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, I mean, 
let's run through the list of depictions from these badges. He, but he basically selected the primary object in each one. Okay. So Manchester United was a devil. Mm. Um, Arsenal was a cannon. Chelsea and Villa both had lions. West Ham, which is a pair of hammers, uh, he decided that they would be operated by a human being, which I think throws the whole thing into disarray straight away. There's some standout results for you. Um, Tottenham's Cockrell just edged the the Seagull of Brighton and Hove Albion. I would say Cockrell's are scrappier, Charlie. Is that fair? But Seagulls aren't to be messed with. Yeah, that is... I mean, a lot of these are really, really tough and and very... (laughs) Some of these are quite, you know, philosophical. The devil. So we're talking Satan against a lion. Yeah, lion think... actually portrayed as a Jesus figure in um, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and other C.S. Lewis works. So that's a real lion against Satan. It's a very sort of good versus evil. Yeah, but I, I think in all animal cases, these were their sort of everyday manifestations. No mythical sure. Sure. Okay. No connotation. No. 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 I. I just mean. You know. Just that there might be those connotations. Just yeah. Yeah. Humble. Every man lion. Just, just kind of just average, straightforward. Lion. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> is where the devil lion. really had an advantage because you can, you know, basically omnipotent, really, to a to a certain extent against all these very run of the mill animals. But uh, the hugely anticipated clash, Dave, was between the flower of Leeds United, the rose, I should say, against the bee of Brentford, um, which I thought would be a, I thought would be a draw. I think it should be a draw, but uh, Will Cunningham said that uh, the widely feared honey-producing ace went away with all three points. <laughs> well, in what way, though? Does, because would it not be a sort of almost a tortoise and the hare style thing where the flower, the, the rose, would draw in the bee, the bee will then gorge itself on all the pollen and be a bit woozy <laughs> and go off and the, the flower would be the last man standing. Uh, but the, the flower benefits from cross-pollination, Charlie, so all's not lost there. They get something out of the tie, don't they? So a pyrrhic victory for the bee. Anyway, I'll just run, through, run you through the league table. Uh, Manchester United win the title by three points from Arsenal's cannon. Uh, Chelsea and Aston Villa tied for third with their respective Lions. I mean, yeah, would a cannon, would a devil be able to resist the cannon? I mean, if the cannon's shooting at it, well, I guess the devil's got his... Uh... I don't actually know what powers it... devils have, actually, I have to say. <laughs> Aren't they... Are we doing specifically about the devil? Or they sit on the I mean, shoulder it's... of the guy operating the cannon saying, mm, don't want to do that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you end? Shoot, shoot yourself, cannon. Go on, it'll be really fun. Shoot yourself. Maybe that is what's happened. <laughs> the relegation zone occupied by Newcastle Seahorses. Pathetic animal. Um, Fulham, which is just words, <laughs> open brackets, book. So... I know, and then leads. But that's a good example. That's where the hope. That's where the format really does the seahorse out. Because if that is a home and away, then that's a fortress. If you're going like even a lion underwater, they're not going to be wanting to go into the seahorse's bed. I mean, yes, the seahorse is going to travel on the is going to struggle on the road. Yeah, but they 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 can they they can be sort of happily pottering along in mid table Mm. with home games. But I think it's overall a fair a fair table and one that should never ever be revisited. What other podcast in existence would spend precious airtime discussing the underexplored logistical issues with being a half-time fly on a dressing room wall? Not one. That's the answer. Co-commentators Charlie, always particularly fascinated by what might have been said in the dressing room at half-time. Um, here's Don Hutchison on Bayern's impressive second-half showing against Barcelona. Flick back to Muller. Muller able to turn. And he was rocking back as he hit it. Not easy. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. I'd pay money to be on the fly on the wall to see what Nagelsmann said to this buy inside at half-time. It's been astonishing, the turnaround. How is your German? Not good. Would have been a waste of money being that fly then, wouldn't it? 
I think the body language would have told you a thing or two. Really good evolution here, Charlie, of the fly on the wall in the dressing room at halftime concept. First of all, one that you'd have to pay to do it. I never even considered that flies <laughs> would have to pay to be there. Uh, I thought they just got in for free. <laughs> that, I really like that little... Uh, That's the main benefit of being a fly, surely. Yeah, you crawl under the door, no one sees you, you're there. How much would yeah, it be? Yeah, that's good. I like the uh, that idea, though, of being a fly on the wall. You get in and then you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I, can't, I don't actually speak German. This is Yeah, this is what really language annoying. do flies speak? Again, <laughs> going over it. It's an important question and he's raised it. What language do they speak? Well, that's a good question. Are you yourself... Do you turn into a fly? I was assuming, assuming you are yourself, but you have the appearance of a fly, which is right. why you Like Jeff Goldblum of... in the film. <laughs> That that, but that, that's sense. why I think that's why I think the payment aspect is flawed because you're allowed in because they just they think you're a fly. I never considered the mechanism of this, Dave. The idea that you make the deal with the devil and said, "I want to be a fly on the wall in this dressing room at half time," but and the devil says, "Well, by the way, you don't have your consciousness. You have the consciousness of a fly. So any memories you might have, they're all gone. You don't know anything <laughs> except about being a fly. Whether your comprehension of football will be enough, to or if you speak German, ah, oh, fuck." Now I'm a fly. I fucked it. I don't even know what they're saying. I don't even know what these people are. Who are these things? Where am I? Oh, shit, I've been swatted. <laughs> um, yeah, flies on the dressing room. Didn't know you had to pay. And uh, just just make sure you speak in the right language as you transition to fly. Just how many ways are there for a striker to figuratively manifest themselves as a useful member of the animal kingdom? As always, let us enlighten you. Craig Spencer says, Martin Tyler described Neil Mopay on Sunday as a fox, uh, open brackets, in the box, a pest and tigerish. Are there any other animalistic comparisons <laughs> for strikers that yeah, he was missing? I quite like that combo. Um, it's like yeah. Brave Star, isn't it? All the little things put together. <laughs> that, a yeah, fox, that... a pest and a tiger. Great. What else would there be? Other animals that suit goals. But I think that's good because foxes and pests are quite... You know, the, the fox Foxes are pests, yeah, yeah. So that, that that links quite well. Obviously, then mm. tiger is that's to, is do, that's to do with his work off the ball, though, isn't it? You can't be a, a tiger, a striker doesn't contribute in an attacking <laughs> sense, do they, Dave? Mm, but our tigers do they work hard. That's an interesting yeah. yeah. lying down in the zoo, <laughs> <laughs> just lazing about, just trying to get their team the lion's share of possession. That's all. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm tigerish. I uh, yeah, I feel it's a different thing. And and you're right, David. It's weird that that's become because like tigerish, like tigers are such beautiful, sleek, elite, sleek animals. Whereas tigers, tigerish is a correct. Yeah, sense. well, yeah. they are because they don't tiger tigerish. You're defined by your work rate. Mm. And yeah, you're, tigers are absolutely. But when not, a tiger gets something, they're not letting it go. So maybe the sort of tight. But then that's yeah. not the point. Tigerish is about getting the ball back. Not what a, having the ball and keeping it different. What about uh, waspish? Yeah, Ooh, I like waspish. You have to be a certain a certain height limit for waspish because mm-hmm. uh, then you become wispy. Yeah. <laughs> waspish to wispy. Um, yeah, what? Who's waspish? Paul Craig Dickoff. Bellamy Paul was Dickoff. waspish. Exactly. Yeah. Paul Dickoff Paul Dickoff. was waspish. Yeah. Waspish is great. What a great word. Excellent. Very good indeed. Of all the myriad ways a commentator can announce a goal going in. This one deserved our surgical attention more than any other. The headline really was Son Heung-min breaking his duck for the season in quite some fashion. And this really <laughs> did open a lovely commentary can of worms, a lovely subgenre of goal-scoring commentary. Last season's Golden Boot winner who couldn't buy a goal in the 
record this season ends his drought and how <laughs> I bet Charlie I bet commentators bloody love an and how <laughs> because there's no there's no insight there is essentially no insight a, a, apart from a, a subtle implication that it was done in spectacular way other than that it must just be really satisfying way to end a real tail end for the commentary it is like as as he was saying it I wanted to join in with him. It's almost like a, a chorus number. But yeah, D- Dave, a very satisfying thing to both hear and presumably utter. Yeah, relatively rare circumstances. Does it feel quite old-fashioned to you? Or is it uh, timeless? No, I don't think it's old-fashioned. I just don't. I just think it's something that you reserve for an occasion such as that. Next, we unearthed a six-year body of evidence to suggest that Gareth Southgate either has the most tactically astute stalker of all time or the Royal Mail needs to launch an immediate internal investigation. Or both, actually. This this has fascinated me the more I dug into it. Um, Gareth Southgate, Dave, was speaking at a charity event this week. This is a job where every decision, every selection is questioned, debated, ridiculed. That's just my postman, by the way. <laughs> nice little by the way from Southgate there um so talking about the pressures of being england manager before before we get into that do we believe him do we think specifically about the postman or is he genuinely talking to his postman well interesting question from you because this appears to be a long-running saga nick back in 2016 southgate is also keen to deliver entertaining football he believes he is on the way to doing just that after getting positive feedback from his first four games at the helm my postman told me after the last couple of games that's how i like an england team to play oh come on no way who is this guy very gobby postman isn't he yeah really gobby postman i suppose if you're a postman and you, you you knock on someone's door parcel's a bit too big to fit through the letterbox and gareth southgate answers the door you know are you, gonna, are you gonna just hand over the parcel and say here you go and then just walk off no i think you sorry gareth i just want to say just in case i never did it again that's how i like an england team to play football idealist this guy dave as well i just can't <laughs> i just can't picture it gareth southgate must surely live in a big house he lives in a massive house. Yeah. It, yeah, he lives in a massive house in the country, I can reveal. So it, it's conceivable that he probably has, right. maybe does have the same postman. The postman has to do that particular a rural postie. Mm. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's 2016. Here's 2020. I think if I lived in the middle of London and was walking down the street every day, I mean, everybody obviously wants to pick your team. You know, the postman tells me who I should be playing at right back. But He's got to the point now where this postman is just a pain in the arse. Who is this guy? <laughs> the postman's weighing in on the Trent Alexander-Arnold debate. Imagine how much turmoil this postman is in right now about the right back just, debate. Just writing, this, writing the 11 on the back of an envelope, <laughs> just handing it over. <laughs> Gareth Southgate's postman, please get in touch. Um, are postmen kind of bound by client postman privilege, Dave? I worry. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like well, they should be. Like... They should be, because there's a lot of power in those hands. They know where famous people live. They probably can't just give that information out, can they? I suppose, no. I suppose he's not... He's, well, I don't know, it depends. I suppose he's not He's not allowed to sort of say that Gareth Southgate's been getting a lot of letters from the inland revenue or anything. I think, but I think if he's, you know, he's Could allowed to... you tell to... someone in the pub... I am Gareth Southgate's postman. He yeah, can, that, right? that, that's fine, and you can you can I'm say, oh, I, you, you can you you can tell him, oh, I, I, 
You can I, say, oh, oh, I told him to play four at the back in the World Cup. Kind of yeah, but I think if England go crashing out in the group stages and Gareth Southgate's postman leads a march on onto his <laughs> driveway, yeah. I think then he would be overstepping the mark there, yes. I reckon he'll have a Paddy Power advert by the, uh, exactly. by the end of the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's the podcast segment that some people are talking about. For My Sins Corner, not the easiest of skills to master, but it hit an elite level of competitiveness in the autumn of 2022. For My Sins Corner, an absolute cracker today. Um, I, I had the option of um, Pointless or Popmaster at my fingertips, but I've gone for Popmaster. Uh, mouths at the ready. It's time for For My Sins Corner. <laughs> And this time it's Billy Samkin from Beckles in Suffolk. Good morning, Billy. Hi there, Ken. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. A little bit nervous, but happy to be on the show. Good. We are happy to have you here. Fantastic. So uh, you um, are an apprentice, I believe. Yeah, apprentice. Uh, plumbing and heating. Love my job. Great. How long yeah. have you been doing that? Um, a few months now. Starting college soon. So, yeah, four-year course. Um, got plenty to learn, but yeah, I do enjoy it. Started off on the right foot, anyway. Well done, well done. Absolutely, absolutely. At, at home, who do you have? I live with my mum and my dad and my older brother. Oh. So we'll all be tuning in, rooting for me. Quite right too, quite right. And you like your sport? Oh. Yeah, really into the sport. Love my football, love my cricket. Um, seen ticket Ipswich Town. For Come on! That's their stuff. Ipswich Town. They're not doing too badly at the moment, are they? Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. An absolute <laughs> ding-dong battle there. David Walker's experience, perhaps, seeing him over the line by a fraction of a second. We'll, we'll revisit in the edit to make sure. But um, great stuff. And you're both of you really coming into your own in this now, I think. That was one for the purist, that was. <laughs> As a linesman's flag failed to go up at Goodison Park, the theory some people have been whispering all this time was finally proven. That's it. VAR is a woke conspiracy. This is brilliant. This is perhaps where all anti-VAR discourse was ever going to go. This is BT Sports' Ian Dark on VAR. Ball into the area, maybe just been offside if that had been in the back of the net. I'm not sure it would have fallen for Fernandez. Yeah, I think VAR would have had that yeah. one. It would have been done by the thought police, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The thought police. Do you think he might have meant fun police? No. It all becomes just one thing, doesn't it? Like VAR is woke. VAR is woke. Exactly. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not necessarily accusing Ian Dark of being one of those people, but it all <laughs> it all fits into the kind of oeuvre, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. Oh, oh god! god. I, this is where it was heading. Don't, Dave. don't give them any ideas. Honestly, <laughs> you can. I can just. I can see. I could see any number of culture war figures grabbing a hold of VAR and using it as an example of how everything's. You know, Richard, Little, going to Richard, the Little John, Richard Little John must have written a, a, a column about this. You could not make it up, he says, as a goal is marginally disallowed for offside. By a toenail. A thought police. Honestly, superb. Uh, a top ten moment for the year as far as I'm concerned. 
As 2022 drew to a close, we took the Mesut Harland Dicks concept to the masses. We asked for your niche loves and hates of football, and boy, did you deliver. Final hatred of football comes from the most Keysian name of all. This is Chris Garthwaite. My hate is the last five minutes of halftime when you're at the match. If you're chatting with friends, you've ran out of first half analysis by that point. If you bought a pint, you're drinking it far quicker than you would like. And even the on-pitch entertainment, the last refuge of the bored matchgoer, has come to an end. Just get the players back out on the pitch and save us from this hell. This is so, so good. 15 minutes of half-time, is, regardless of whether you're at the stadium or watching on TV, is such a very defined amount of time. First five, you're switched off. You're kind of absorbing what has just happened. The next five, you're, that is smack bang. You are now absorbing the analysis of the first half and you're, and you're really reflecting on what's happened and you're ready to go again. The, the third five minutes of half-time are bullshit. Like, complete <laughs> bullshit. Shouldn't exist. They are the most annoying five minutes of my life. And the whole situation is exacerbated by the fact that you can't get any phone signal. You can't get any 4G, so you can't even just idly scroll through Twitter or check the scores from the other games. Yeah, completely. And the the bit about the pints as well is just it's bang on the money because I don't believe that there's anyone that's ever had an enjoyable pint of beer in a football stadium in this country, especially <laughs> at halftime. Particularly at halftime. You can't... Because... Uh, I mean, I, I'm just very impressed that he's managed to get a pint within the 15 minutes of half time. I don't think it's ever happened to me at a, a football game yeah. with any kind of any large crowd. Anyway, without getting up early, which is which kind of brings into a, that's a whole other thing of like how early is too early to get up for half time? At what moment do you go? Are you still what you're still watching the game sort of as you gingerly go down the stairs and all that sort of thing? And that last five minutes is where you really start to feel the cold in the winter months as well. It's like, can you just get the fuck on with it? Come on, out you come. And you look at your watch, This and this is crucial to the phenomenon, Dave. You'll look at your watch and it'll be like, it'll be 3.58. And you think, well, that's two more minutes, but it won't be because there will be at like 4.03. Yeah, because they didn't, because oh. the game, they didn't go in Yeah, exactly. And you, and, but you know that in your head. And you're yeah. sort of working out, going, well, I've got to allow a couple of minutes for the, for the injury time. And then, of course, they went back in again. And just, it's different if you're with a mate, like a proper mate, or maybe with your dad or your son or daughter, whatever. Yeah, yeah you're not talking different. about the game in those last five minutes. You're no. talking about life. So, well, yeah, I might go there on Tuesday, actually, yeah. But if you're with someone with, with someone who you don't know, it's just, well, you just sort of have to just, what do you do? Just both sort of stare into the distance. Yeah, I think I've had nothing enough of it, to say. Really. Yeah, I think, oh, well, yeah, it's difficult, though, because you don't want to hand your notice in, because you want, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm thinking of doing something else, to be honest. That's, yeah. think, of the, think of the state. With your, with your no, but this is the sort of thing, like, de- the, the sort of conversations that definitely happen in the last five minutes of half times, Nick. It, it's moved away from football completely. It's just like, yeah, I don't know, I think I'm done with her, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's a hell of a thing to launch, that's quite, quite a big thing to launch into in the last last sort of few minutes of a, of a game. Chris Garthwaite, if there was such a thing, you win entry of the month because that is absolutely fantastic. The last five minutes of a half-time break. It also, but it also feels like when you're... Maybe this is a, an indictment of my productivity levels, but it feels like when you're watching a game at home, it feels like it's not... It, it, it's an amount of time that is just long enough to, you, to make you think you can complete a task, yeah. but it's not actually long enough to oh, you, complete that task. You're absolutely right. Try and do anything during half-time yeah. of a televised game, you will miss the start of the second half. And and, yeah, and that is, that's the absurd time-space continuum that is half-time. It's too long, it's too short, 
nobody knows what to do with themselves. I had a um, I had a shower in the halftime of the oh, of the Super God. Sunday. Oh, That's wow. ridiculous. Sunday. The, the, the speed that you had. How vigorously were you drying yourself at the end of this shower? Well, Gotta I, get back. Gotta get back. I had to poke my head around the. I had poked my head around the bathroom door, which is the next room to the TV, and I was, just, I was like, oh, oh, are they going to be kicking off? And we were in an ad break. It was brilliant. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I feel like I barely know you anymore. Anyway, um, but I do feel like I know our listeners a lot better after that. Lionel Messi's crowning glory, Morocco reaching brave new heights for African football, the greatest World Cup final of all time? No, our highlights of Qatar 2022 involved a pigeon and the most overplayed song in modern football stadiums finally justifying its existence. Here's Vicky Sparks again, just moments later, faced with an emergency pigeon situation, but crucially, still remembering that she's a football commentator on the radio. Spain collect the ball outside their own penalty area. Did you see that? We just almost got taken out by a pigeon. There it is. Oh, off it goes again. Right to left. That was a close one. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, Dave, is professional broadcasting. Superb. (laughs) Wonderful. Describing every element. If If anything, Nick, I wanted more football commentary there or it's like a pigeon in its uh, traditional colours of grey and white <laughs> <laughs> flying to it from the right to left swooping down magnificently honestly and that is the, that was that is up there with the best maintenance of composure at an emergency moment I've ever heard on radio football commentary finally oh, I mean this is just genius quite frankly um both the fact that it happened, Dave, and the fact that someone spotted it happening. Um it was spotted indeed by Dominic Bliss. And this, this is why this particular song has become so ubiquitous at football matches. It was all leading up to this moment. Listen very carefully. As the two captains meet the officials and the four stadium officials and the three in the VAR hub are from seven different nations. I'm not sure what common language they will have, but the main man is... Uh, nice. One in a billion. It's a one in a billion situation. Zambia, best known for... Sensational stuff. I mean, was, do, do you think he? Do you think he, he heard the? He was listening to the song. And I don't. I don't think so. Thought, mm, oh, and that makes it better. Seven, seven nations. Oh, no no uh, chance. Th- but but he would have he would have made some reference to them being an, an army of yeah. officials, wouldn't he? If it was deliberate. So yeah. Uh, yeah, just for the stat to correlate with the song, Dave, it's, it, I think this is now automatically the best World Cup that's ever been held as a result. <laughs> I'm sorry okay. about the other stuff, right. but this has happened. This so, has pushed it over the line for you. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the other stuff. Very, very uh, footballer being asked about the World Cup in a there press conference. There are other podcasts, stuff there from it's you. fine. <laughs> Don't keep, keep football and politics apart, says Hurry. Didn't say that when we had Keir Starmer on, did you? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate, we've got pigeons to talk about here, mate. How much time do you think we've got? It's four, we're four minutes into Uruguay versus South Korea, by the way. Right then, thanks to everyone for listening in 2022. Thanks for sending in your curious questions and your urgent cases for our adjudication. Thanks for coming to the live shows, more of those in 2023. And thanks for letting football cliches into your lives. Anyway, cometh the new year, cometh the podcasts. The Athletic.